Hi, I'm Kate. Hi, I'm Usma, and we are two moms out to save the world. My friend Kate is a passionate woman teaching women about sovereignty. And my friend Uzma is passionate about how to survive as a mom after the kids have grown and flown. Together, we want to break societal norms and bring a new perspective to life and the world around us. Join us as we create an alternate perspective for a richer life and better relations. We are two two moms moms out out to save the world. (laughs) Good morning, Uzma. Hey, Kate, how are you? <laughs> I'm really good. How are you? How? Tell good. me about your morning. Oh, you want me to go first today? Well, before we go, I want to just say that we have an awesome guest today. I know. I already I just, like her. Yeah, I know. She's so fun. We had pre-conversation. It was great. She she passed our screen test. G- good energy today because yes. our, our last guest was like, yeah, got me all fired up. Exactly. So um, my morning was great. Had my coffee, did my grounding. The weather is beautiful. So really enjoyed outside, meditated this morning, closed my eyes and just let the breeze hit my face. And it's really awesome. And, you know, always on a Tuesday when we do our recordings to hang out with you is like the highlight. I know. I love, I love Tuesdays. Yeah. So how was your morning? Okay. So um, my morning was amazing because I got up and I looked outside and there's a duck in my backyard. Oh, little mallard. Um, no, you know, we, like, I live on a golf course and we have three ponds in the back and I like, I feed all of our wildlife. I know I'm not supposed to, but I don't fucking care. Um, like I, so I went out, I looked out this morning, I saw the duck, um, and I let my dogs out on, we, we have a deck off of our, uh, master bedroom and the, do- the dogs went out to look at him and then he flew away. And then I went about my morning and came back and he was, he was out there again, but then he had to fly away. Cause I went to feed the squirrels and put food out for him. Um, but that's like a sign to me that spring is coming because I like literally we, we, I had a dinner, I had dinner in our backyard, um, last summer and we're all sitting on my patio in our, my backyard and literally just 10 feet away from us, there were six ducks just hanging out. So it was just so fun. So I know it's spring when the ducks start, start roaming into my backyard. I love yeah. spring time. Yeah. Nice we have and ducks fresh. in our backyard too. That's awesome. Oh, I love fun. ducks. <laughs> ducks and squirrels. Yes. They're my people. So that voice you hear is my friend Talia. She is our guest today. She is all about Ayurveda and we met each other in a coaching course. Oh, where, fun. That's where I really got into Ayurveda and started listening. And she's so sensitive and so amazing, has such good energy. So I'm going to give the platform to her to tell us a little bit about yourself and then what Ayurveda is. Okay. Um, thanks, Uzma. And yeah. it's really an honor to be here. So I'm Talia Lutzker, and I am a certified Ayurvedic practitioner And what that means is, um, so Ayurveda is the Indian holistic healthcare system, and it's a sister science to Chinese medicine. So like one of the things my teacher always says is, you know, every indigenous medicine is rooted in the elements, right? That's why we, they help us connect with nature. And in Ayurveda, the language that we use to speak about the elements is ether, air, fire, water, and earth. 
And Ayurveda even takes those five elements and categorizes them further into what we call the doshas. And doshas, um, a lot of people have heard of dosha now because Ayurveda um, started trending about four years ago when, when yoga got so big because it's also a sister science to yoga. And um, it's kind of the physiological uh, workings of what happens in your body when you practice yoga. You can more examine that more deeply using Ayurvedic ideas and concepts and principles. Um, but it's also where we go to look at how should we be eating for our constitution um, and what type of yoga should we be practicing? What time of day is best for us to practice yoga based on our dosha and the doshas of what we're using. So I'm going to explain that. So most people have heard of doshas. Now the doshas of Ayurveda are vata, pitta, and kapha. And they're not just meant to like define your body type or to be a way to describe your current emotional state of being. Um, the doshas are forces of energy that are born from the elements themselves. So the vata dosha is made up of air and ether. So it's all about wind and change and constant movement. Um, and, you know, when wind is really, really, really blowing, you know, things get scattered, things get lost, we become forgetful, we're all over the place mentally, maybe we're all over the place physically, and then we're suffering from constipation or not being able to sleep, things like that. Um, the pitta dosha is made up of fire and water. And when fire and water get together, it's kind of like, like fire and water. That's how we have steam or fire and water is also how we'll get oiliness to come into like reality. Um, and so fire is obviously hot. Water is obviously wet. And when those two get together um, in a force, you know, or with force creates oily skin. It can create a lot of kind of um, what I call difficult emotions because those are the hardest emotions for me to feel. But, you know, we might have kind of chronic anger, frustration, judgment. Nobody does it the way I would do it, you know, kind of like that. And um, also loose stool or diarrhea would go with an increase in the pitta dosha. Um, and then the kapha dosha is made up of earth and water. And it's really healthy kapha is like, you know, a river running through can a canyon that is steady and strong. There's not a ton of debris in the water. Um, there are no dams, right? There's a lot of flow. So what happens is that water and earth also make mud. And what people tend to associate kapha with is the imbalance. So any type of stagnation, congestion, um, heaviness. So when we talk about like, like um, I think especially for people learning Ayurveda who haven't been practicing it for very long yet, but they're interested in their learning, if they're holding any excess weight on their body, they're like, I must be kapha. And because kapha is the dosha that shows like heaviness, but you could just have a kapha imbalance, <laughs> you know? So anybody can have any dosha. I mean, we're, and you're born with your dosha, like, you know, 99% of the time you are going to live your entire life with the constitution that you were given 
when you took your first breath. So your dosha is, you know, kind of like it's meant to be like, I'm here the way I am for a reason. I don't really understand the reason necessarily, but here I am. What can I do about it? You know? So we're just dealing with the constitution that we're given, but we can create any imbalance and we don't do it on purpose, but you know, if like, if I eat cookies, every day, three times a day, I'm going to, that sugar carb carbohydrate load is going to increase kapha in my body, whether I'm kapha predominant or not, I will develop some type of kapha imbalance from maybe it would be a yeast infection, not maybe I wouldn't get, get gain 10 pounds, but maybe I would get candida, (laughs) you know, know, so that happened to me. So I was almost a hundred percent off of sugar. Um, and I started, I I started working at whole foods and we have a really great bakery and these amazing cookies. And so I was like, just having a cookie in the evening after dinner, whatever. And I, I like, I can't tell you the last time I broke out and I had an acne cyst develop on my chin. And I know a hundred percent that it's from the sugar that all of a sudden I started consuming. Yeah. Yeah. And the heat like pushed, yeah. pushed that forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so who is, who is Ayurveda for? Like who should I mean, practice it? So I think that's, I love that question um, because, right. I could say, well, Ayurveda is for everybody. But you know who it's really for is for somebody who's willing, like we were talking about before we went live today, who's willing to practice self-awareness. Because if you are not even awake, not awake, because that sounds like a judgment, but if you're not interested Mm -hmm. in like observing how you feel and thinking about your health proactively, Ayurveda is not for you. You know, if you're someone who's like, I don't care, I don't want to think about it. I just give me a pill when I need something. It's like, I mean, you could use Ayurveda. You could find a practitioner who's like, okay, now you need these herbs. But, um, but it's not, it's really because it's um, in the four tiers of Ayurvedic healing, like how we would, how Ayurveda would approach you know, helping somebody heal their body or overcome an imbalance or a disease state. The first step is like, okay, become self-aware. How do you feel right now? Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you dry? Are you wet? Are you congested? Are you heavy? Are you leaving your body when you meditate, which would be lightness? Are you fainting? You know what I mean? Like, and it's not just like, oh, I have a symptom, but a little bit, even a little bit deeper than that. Like I notice that when I like, okay, I get headaches, but I notice that my headaches, like they start behind my eyes, right? Like just, just a little bit of just that awareness. And that's, you know, meditation and yoga again, like so interwoven into Ayurveda. So it's really the really meant for people who have a spiritual practice that flows into their self-care and their physicality. Do do you find that um, it's a lot of older people because, you know, people with kids, their kids have grown up or they're finally, as they're getting older, start thinking about their health and they have time to be more aware. Is that a lot of clients that you get like older women? I mean, I do get a lot of clients between the ages of 40 and 70, but, um, 
you know, I also think that's because that's when a lot of people can kind of deal with the imbalances that are coming up and be, and like push them away or just not have, they, they're not yet in the forefront of like, I really have to deal with this, you know, until they are like over 40, right? We can get away with a lot until we're 35 or 40. Oh, yeah. I mean, we stop being, it. we just hormonally, we stop being able to get away with it, you know, and just cumulatively we accumulate imbalances and there is a tipping point. So, yeah, you, you know, Uzma and I, like, I don't know, every once in a while we have this conversation about, you, you know, who to have on our podcast, what to talk about. And I've got this like mental block that I don't really want to talk about menopause. And I think the reason I have this mental block, because I feel like women use it as, um, uh, as, uh, what do you call it? it starts with the C as a, a crutch. crutch. Yeah. To, to be like, oh, I've gained weight. So that's menopause or I'm feeling this. That's just menopause. And I feel like women hide behind that a lot instead of, you know, understanding that maybe you're just more sedentary than you were. Maybe you're, you know, like maybe there you're not as aware of your body and what's going on and intending to it. Instead, we just talk about, you know, oh, no, I'm just 50 now. So that's why. Right. Uh, I mean, but also I have a couple of things to say about that. Yeah, go for it. One is like, there is so, there is zero education to prepare us for menopause unless you actively seek it out. That's true. Zero. (laughs) That's definitely true. Even if you talk to your doctor that they might be like, well, that's because you're in menopause. I mean, that might be their answer. And and I think that's why this comes up for me, because it it kind of gets thrown out there so much. But you're right. There is not a whole lot of like, so what do I do about it? How can I? It's not fair. It's like, you know, it's like, um, I don't know if you ever watched that show Six Feet Under, but it was my favorite one of my favorite shows of all time. I never watched that. So good. good. And there's a scene where the mom uh, in the show and her friend who are both definitely in their fifties, maybe early sixties. And they're in a, in a department store. And the friend is like, look at this lipstick. It looks so good on you. And she's like, yeah. And she looks at the price. She's like, I can't afford it. And the, and the friend, she's like, we are invisible to these people. Fucking take it. And she takes the <laughs> lipstick and the mom, her name's, the character's name is Ruth is just like, but she kind of is like, wait a minute. Like That's we are treated like we're invisible, but we're not invisible. We're still here. It's like, it's like after childbearing, like we're useless. We're not as attractive anymore to men, like whatever, <laughs> you know, and it's just bullshit. And we have to, as women um, really be like, no, I'm still vital even after menopause, but that takes, again, that takes somebody who wants, who wants to feel that way and wants to take the actions necessary to, you know, live a certain kind of lifestyle that it's not like, it's not about reversing aging. It's, and it's, I mean, and I do aging gracefully is a great way to say it, but it's like, you know, really nourishing yourself um, based on the way that your body is changing. And that's what we need to do, honestly, all the time. So 
that's where like people will get confused when they're newer to Ayurveda. They'll be like, but I'm Pitta, like I'm Pitta Kapha. And so now I'm having a Vata imbalance. So that means I'm Vata now, right? Like, no, you're still Pitta Kapha. That's still your constitution. But this Vata imbalance has gotten really um, blown up. You know, and we need, so we need to address that. Like what, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it, so it is in many ways, like kind of dealing with the layers of the onion from the outside in, but the more that you do that, the more consistently that you do that, you know, the healthier you are at your core and the, and not only physically, I mean, mentally and emotionally too, because, you know, then really big changes are like not necessarily as devastating you know, and it can be like, okay, I can deal with this. That makes Holistically. sense. Yeah. And with Western medicine, when it's appropriate, you know, I just, I had surgery in December. I had, um, I had developed uterine fibroids that I did not know were there until I saw I was doing an enema and I was in bridge pose. And I was like, what's that? It looked just like a little misshapen part of my abdomen. And I'm so grateful that I, that Western medicine could actually remove these balls of tissue that were doing me no favors and that were, had become so big. I couldn't, I couldn't, I mean, maybe I could have shrunk them. There's different theories, but they right. were pretty big. Yeah. I feel so much better that they're out. So, but now that they're out, I'm still uh, like approaching my body as like, now I'm like, I have a tendency to grow fibroids. So I need to change my nutrition and my body care to be respectful of that. That's a tendency that my body has developed. There's, I'm not bad or wrong for it, but I want to be awake and aware about it. Right. Right. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. So speaking about menopause, what do you do for hot flashes when it comes to Ayurveda? Well, I mean, everyone's, different. So, so, and I know that's just such, such like a annoying answer for somebody who is watching this, who's like, I have hot flashes. No, it's, it's, thing. it's not, it's absolutely <laughs> not. I, I find like my, like my friends, like, cause they don't really bother me. I had them for, I don't know, like a year and now they're not a big deal, but I have friends that like, that is like, they're having a hard time living because it's, yeah. it's a big factor. That's why, yeah. That's yeah. why I'm asking that question yeah. because I have so many friends who are just like, this is just ruling my life. Exactly. So, like, so my, my honest opinion and like kind of going to the core of it since we are, I don't have time to like go into it in so much detail, but like the women who are really dealing with that, I would encourage them to, like I call it going back to basics, like looking at your digestive system, looking like making sure that you're dry brushing, you know, every single day before you get dressed, like move the rivers of your body, get those rivers hydrated. So deeply hydrate your body, deeply nourish your body, know what your constitution is. So you know how to nourish your body correctly not just based on, you know, oh, the 
what's it called? The FDA pyramid, you know, don't do that food pyramid, Um, you know, and it's not even just about being keto or paleo either. Not necessarily. There's elemental nuances that when you know what you need can literally make you have a 180 degree turn in your health or 360, which one's better. I know, right. One of those, (laughs) whatever, but, um, but so yeah, deep hydration, moving your lymph, really making sure that your digestive system is on par though, cleaning up those kind of basics of how the body works can do a ton. And then a general sort of, um, you know, tri doshic. So good for all people remedy for just inflammation and heat in general, excess heat in general is putting, um, fresh mint leaves, excuse me, and sliced cucumber in water and literally just putting, I love Mason jars cause they're just yeah. measured. They have lids, you know? Um, so getting a half gallon Mason jar, filling it with water, put a few sprigs of mint and half of a cucumber sliced. You could also put some lemon or lime in there if you want and being like, okay, eight cups, eight cups of this. I am drinking this today. Yeah. Doesn't mean that's the only thing you're going to drink. And then also the women who are experiencing hot flashes, like, you know, um, yeah, the limp, the dry brushing and they, they might have to go deeper than dry brushing, like really be getting lymphatic massage. Um, it just usually that kind of symptom is caused by a dam in our rivers, mm-hmm. so like a dam in the lymphatic, the lymphatic flow that causes other dams in the circulatory system, in the way the organs are processing there. It's, it's pretty common just hormonally for hormonal imbalances in general, that there are dams in the river. And if you can break through those dams, um, which you absolutely can through self-care and working with the practitioner. But what I find with my clients is like, when a client comes to work with me on nutrition and nourishment and what they need for their constitution, like there is so much that we can cover in just one session or as many as like three or four that just sets them on this track. And then all they have to do aside from, you know, integrating what they're learning on that front is, is some daily self-care that doesn't even take more than 15 minutes a day, you know, and they can really just, again, improve their quality of life by so much. So I know, you know, and it's like, well, but I can't, I don't have time. I don't want to add anything. Like I'm tired. The thing about adding self-care is that it actually gives you more energy. Um, You know, and there's also the art of knowing, you know, trusting your own timing. Like I don't, you know, I used to in my twenties and my thirties be like, I had to exercise every single day. Like I yeah, just, I did too. Yeah. So gross if I didn't. And, but even though I just never even experimented with resting and whatever, but now, you know, if I'm really too tired to do self-care, I trust that I'm like, yeah. I need to rest. This is my self-care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And then, but then I try to make it be real rest versus like, you know, 
you know, just the kind yes. of the future of like laying on a waterbed with bonbons and yeah. watching right. General Hospital, you know, yeah. no, it's not, I mean, it could be self-care. I'm not saying, but you wouldn't want that to be your daily self-care the rest every single time. So I have a dry brush and I don't use it. I was just about to ask you if you dry brush. I swear I've been thinking, waiting to ask where, you. I know question. where, where it connected. Yeah. I need to start using it. I where used to is use it? it. Pardon? Where is it right now? In my bathroom. Okay. Is that where you tend to be naked? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's a good place to keep it. Like yes. I keep mine. I have a walk-in closet. Yeah. So that's where I go to get dressed. So that's where my, I would brush there. And I also have a dry brush in the bathroom, but cause you want it to be in a, you want to keep it in a place where you absolutely see it and feet to heart, hands heart, to yes. heart, yeah. always yeah. towards the heart. Okay. Um, but you do it b- before you get dressed or before you take a shower or a bath or even before a workout. Like if I'm changing out of my pajamas into like my yoga clothes, I'll dry brush then, mm. you know, and then mm. I might dry brush again before I shower. I might not, but I, to do it at least once a day is better than doing it. None, no time. Okay. Again. Can you meditate and dry brush? Because that way no. Kate in our closet can do both. <laughs> but my closet's in my bathroom. Like oh, okay. you go into my, my bathroom and then to the right, I have this huge walk-in closet. That's right. My bathroom. So I can say my dry brush is in my bathroom, but my closet's right there. And I do get dressed in my closet and I do meditate in my closet. I do yeah, a lot exactly. Of my closet. So yeah, that's why I'm wondering. I mean, it feels, you know what? It feels good. It, whatever. Meditation. You got to just meditate when it's the right timing yeah. for you. Yeah. But sometimes I meditate after I do a lot of lymphatic care Ooh. and, um, and it's just kind of like a really, you just are like, feels really good to meditate after that. So after you dry brush, how are you supposed to feel like after the first time, second time, third time, what is your body supposed to feel like, or your mind? What do you see? What changes? That's a good question. Um, I mean, you might not notice anything after the first, second and third time. I think it would be more like after you've been dry brushing for a month every day, you know, you might be like, I, I think what I think what I would imagine is like just feeling more in the flow. You might find that you lost some weight. You might find that you, you know, your clothes fit a little bit better. You might find that you're being like, wow, like my legs look good, you know? <laughs> like, awesome. Okay. So this is kind of like balancing it depends on the body. It depends yeah. on the body, right? Like, yeah. So I think of like balancing your, your chakras, like that's something I would sit in my closet to do, but dry brushing sounds like balancing your lymphatic system, right? That's, it's is about- that, so the lymphatic system is a one-way system mm-hmm. similar to Venus return. It, it only, it defies gravity. So it moves away from gravity. That's the direction that the, that the lymphatic system flows. So, you know, also as we get older and we're on the earth for longer, we, you know, the body depletes towards gravity, Right. So dry brushing is a way of lifting things okay. up, like lifting the tonification of your skin, um, but literally manually showing the lymphatic fluid, the direction you want it to flow. Like, ah. Don't go down. Don't go down. I want you to go up. I yeah. go up. 
So like when you're dry brushing, it's like this, it's not this. Right. Yeah. Towards the heart. Yeah. Towards the heart, towards the heart. And you get, you know, you get all everywhere (laughs) towards the heart. Um, You don't need to dry brush your face, but I have a dry brush for my face though. Can I do that with a small one? Or it's yeah, if you have a dry brush for your face and you have such beautiful skin, I mean, okay. somebody with really dry skin, I wouldn't recommend that they dry brush their face. They okay. could do other, they could use an exfoliator or something like that. Like, um, um, I love this company Shankara that has, have you ever checked them out there? It's an Ayurvedic skincare line. Have you checked them out? No, recently? I haven't. No, no, I haven't. I'll, I will. I'll text you the link. They're like, okay. oh, they're so, okay. so amazing. We'll so I the use their. Notes. I use their exfoliator. Um, I love them, but I have dry skin, so I wouldn't dry brush my face. I gouache on my face sometimes, yes. which is a different kind of tool, but we digress. Um, right. It's not about, I mean, you are, I guess, balancing your lymphatic s- system, but I would, I don't usually say it that way. It's about helping the lymphatic system get into the flow that it needs to be in for you to experience the most amount of health that you can. I think I was drawing a connection to like having time to do stuff, right? Like, like, you know, I I'll sit in my closet and do that, but why don't I dry brush when that's good for me too? Like just understanding all these things and how they do work. So we are able to draw that connection. Kind of like we talked about in our last podcast, draw that connection with what are the benefits of this? So I want to keep doing this. Exactly. And so, yeah, so I am super, super big on explaining why i don't just tell people what to do. It's like, here's why you want to do it. And your lymphatic system is so freaking important. So when we eat food, the first tissue of the body that we feed is lymphatic tissue. So once the food goes through the digestive system, it is affecting lymphatic fluid first. And lymph is what feeds our blood. Lymph is what goes to the blood. So, and blood is, you know, lifeblood. So the lymphatic fluid is called in Ayurveda, it's often called the river of life. It is your immunity, right? It's into intimately connected to the strength and um, vitality of your immune system. If you don't have healthy lymphatic fluid, you are not going to be well is my estimation. <laughs> or if you, and if you're, or like it's, and it could be hidden, Mm-hmm. You know, like people's there, you know, you hear people who are just like, she's 90 and she eats bacon and smokes cigarettes and drinks beer and <laughs> has never had a green vegetable in her life and goes for a run every morning. It's like, okay, I don't know. You know, like there's exceptions. <laughs> Maybe she's dry brushing and not telling anybody. Maybe, <laughs> but you know, something, I think also that when you're just a, kind of going back to Uzma's first question of, or second question, like, who is it for, you know, yeah. this or this practice is for somebody who's interested in feeling vital, who's interested in having the most functional, healthy, and beautiful body that they can have for as long as they can possibly have it. And, you know, dry brushing takes two minutes, literally. See, I think that's why I stopped doing it because I read somewhere that I needed to do it for like 15 minutes. No, I mean, there's other things you could do for 15 minutes that would be really beneficial for your lymphatic system, but you could do that like once a week, like 
kind of, you know, for me, Friday nights and Sunday mornings are often like my sort of my self-care times because I'm just like, I just did yoga. I don't have, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just want to rest. And so, but I have some energy. So, you know, I'll set aside like an hour or two to just do self-care practices that I'm not going to do all week long when I'm really busy or I have kids and I'm driving them everywhere or whatever, you know? So, um, but you, I wouldn't, you know, you could dry brush for 15 minutes, but it's, it's not necessarily unusual that I would recommend that to somebody. And I, and I think that's why I stopped doing it because I, I like had this notion that I got from somewhere that I, if I don't, if I couldn't do it for a certain amount of time, it, it didn't make it any sense to do it. So I'm like, right. whatever, I'm not doing it for right. that long. So I'm not going to do it. Right. So this right. is educational to me. Good. Yeah. And I think a lot of us do that. Like, oh, I have to do it for that long. Well, I'm not going to do it at all. When if right. we did even for a fraction of the time that we heard, we're still getting some benefit. Right. Yeah. So you got to make it work for you. Always. Yeah. That's, isn't Don't that the message for everything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I, I, exactly. Yeah. I think we do get like these thoughts in our heads that, oh, you know, if I can't sit and meditate for an hour, what's the point? Right. Yeah. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Talia, how can people figure out how Ayurveda supports them? How can they figure out how Ayurveda supports them? Is you it, mean how not can for everybody use Ayurveda? Yeah, how can they use it? Because not for everybody, like you said. Um, well, they've got to try it. I mean, got to try it to see if you like it, right? Like somebody is like, I'm not sure if yoga is for me. They're like, well, why don't you go to a class and see if you like it? No, but there's so many different parts to Ayurveda that it's kind of scary, you know, like I the thought of like, you know, brushing. Oh my gosh. It's like Kate said, I have to do it for a half hour. So I'm not going to do it. Look, I thought Ayurveda was essential oils that oh. like, this is, I had no idea. Yeah. So oh, this is a complete eye opener for me. Oh, very cool. I mean, yeah. You can so okay. Let me say something about this. So Ayurveda is a system of holistic health, just like Chinese medicine is its own system. You know, in a sense, right? These are nutrition systems, but paleo is a system. Yeah, keto is a system. So um, I think it is. Are those maybe that wasn't correct? I don't know if those are systems. They're they're part of something. Like I I get what you're saying. It's like it's it's like way of doing something. Yes, but Ayurveda is a system and it's a system that's teaching the individual who's using it like this is how your body works Mm -hmm. this is how your constitution tends to express itself physically emotionally and mentally and here are the foods the self-care and the remedies that will help bring your natural tendencies into balance. So does that make sense? Total yeah. sense. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, so for somebody who's like, I want to try it. The first thing that would probably make the most sense for them to use it would be to understand their own constitution. You know, they could listen to a podcast like this, like listen to a few podcasts, like find out what Ayurveda is, read some blogs, but then be like, it's going to make the most sense to you when you apply it to your own self. 
that's how you get to experiment with it and see how it works and if it works for you. So, and, and, you know, and I can really only share my own experience and, and wisdom that I've acquired over, I started practicing Ayurveda 21 years ago and it totally changed my health and it totally changed my life because when it improved my health, it also, um, you know, I was kind of like depressed and I was, I was in my late twenties and I was like, I had no, I had always been anti-career. So I hadn't even thought about it. And I was like, you know, and it just gave me this like passion for health that I didn't, I, I didn't know I had, or, or maybe I didn't have it before then. I don't know. I mean, I was always wanted to be healthy, but I wasn't, I wasn't healthy. Yeah. I, I feel like you've <laughs> always like, Oh my God, that. this is it, actually yeah. making me healthy. It was a passion that awakened in you. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. And it actually improved my health physically and mentally and therefore emotionally. I mean, it's not, you know, I also go to a therapist. I also practice yoga. Like I'm a yeah. 300. Do you have a morning routine? Thing. Do you have a morning set morning routine? Um, my morning routine is tongue scraping, um, brushing my teeth, flossing my teeth, um, and doing some other, some dental, um, like that pulling, what is that? Oil pulling. pulling. I don't oil pull every day. I I tried that like once or twice a week at the most, Yeah, but I may swish with like an oxygen rinse. I have different rinses that I'll swish with. I have stuff I like put in my mouth. And so I, because whatever happens in the mouth trickles down to the digestive system, digestion is your root system for health. So I pay a lot of attention to my mouth in the morning and then I hydrate my body with warm lemon water or hot water with Soleil, which is a saltwater concentrate. Um, I'll take whatever supplements I'm working with at the moment. I will take those with my water and then I make my delicious morning drink. And my morning drink shifts and changes as I'm shifting and changing, as the season is shifting and changing, depending on what I feel like I need. Right now I'm drinking um, adaptogens from Rasa, the bold and the cacao, the Rasa cacao mixed together, my favorite combo. And, um, and then, you know, like today, because I'm meeting with you, this is what I'm doing now. Um, but I have yoga in, uh, 45 minutes. So there's some days where like my meditation happens, um, also usually before I do my mouth stuff but sometimes with my yoga practice. And that tends to be at any time of the day for me, because I love to practice with my teachers as well as on my own. Um, But, you know, there's different when I'm on vacation, like my morning routine gets longer. Oh, mine goes out the window. And it usually includes, you know, it's usually like um, includes a little bit more, a little bit more of like walking out into like really spending the first couple hours of my day in nature. Mm. I mean, right now I'm just really cold. So I did go outside already, but I'm not like sitting in the 50 degree weather, just all, Oh, when it's 75. So her cold is actually our hot. I know I'm such a baby. Oh my California. Are you? 
I'm in Santa Cruz. So it's actually- Oh, I love Santa Cruz. Yeah. It is cold in Santa Cruz. It can be really cold in Santa Cruz. And I live in a little bit of a cold, a cold like little belt. So yeah. I, I lived in San Diego I am cold for four constitutionally. Years. Yeah. The one thing I can say about like living in, in Southern California is, um, although you're a little less Southern is it's cold. Like people think that, oh my God, no, it's hot and try it. Like the minute that sun goes down, like we, we always had a bag of hoodies and jackets in the car. You know, it's, it's not like I grew up on the East coast in the summer. We, we swam at night. You can't in San Diego because the temperature drops so much, the pool water gets too cold, you know? So I, I get, I, I understand the chilliness and Santa Cruz is yeah. But I love Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz is quite a bit North from San Diego. We're like v- we're very much. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'm a baby. Cause I just run cold. I need to, I, Part of my actually Ayurvedic practice is um, at the moment, which is kind of a hard, scary thing to do, but is like, I need to go find somewhere warmer to live Mm. because it's really just not good for my health to stay in a place where I'm always cold. Like, so there there are, so if you're too cold in a place or too hot in a place, you should not be living there. You should try to. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say that because that's such a sweeping statement. But if if it's affecting your bones or your nerves or your digestion, if it's really affecting you on a deeper level or even emotionally, yeah, you might want to consider like maybe this isn't the right environment for me. Yeah. You know, we we do have to think about our external factors. Yeah. You know, what I don't want to leave is like the amazing community that I've built here over 25 years. Like who wants to leave that? Right. So, yeah. So you, maybe so you, you could just have... find someplace yeah. else to live for a couple months, right? Like a warm I mean, place. I mean, not, right. Yeah. Anyway, it's just on my mind. It didn't used to be on my mind, but it is. Yeah. I think as we get older, we also start thinking about where we want to be for the rest of our life and what makes us happy. Yeah, because when you're younger, you're working, trying to establish, trying to raise families or do what you need to do. And then as you get older, you start thinking more about yourself. Yeah, you're so pretty, Uzma. Oh, thanks. Pretty eyes. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) But so you do have a system in place because I'm going back to the morning routine. So you have an Ayurvedic system. I have a, yeah, I have a system. I also, and then there's just... There's also part of my personal system, and I teach this. I have a, li- a mini course called the Dosha Remedy, um, and that, this is something I teach in that course. Is um, you know, like we were just saying, like you have to make it work for you. So before I get dressed, I dry brush. So I'm not like my morning routine doesn't have to be an hour and a half where I dry brush and I put oil on my skin and. I do the abhyanga and I salt scrub and I fascia blast. I can't, you know, I'm not in a place right now where that makes sense for me to do that every single morning, even though that would be ideal. Um, but so I have these little self-care practices that I tie to other things that I'm already doing so that they end up being, um, what's the word, just like integrated into my whole day, you know, right. even into the evening. Yeah. Like I like you know, it's important not only to have a morning routine, but some kind of evening routine. Okay. That's what I'm missing. Powerful. Yeah. And, uh, um, and for me, it's actually much harder to have an evening routine, yes. but 
I've even, I've done things like setting alarm, like, okay, at 9 PM, like the routine begins, you know? (laughs) And I've, now I kind of have, I've kind of dialed it in actually more recently where I'm like, okay, by nine 30, I'm having this drink. I'm, you know, winding down these things, horizontal lights out, you know, maybe journaling, whatever. Um, Because there's also different phases. Like we just, we don't always need all of the same self-care. It's okay to change up, just like it's okay to change up your diet and change up your nutrition as needed. It's okay to change up your self-care. Your self-care is nutrition. It is, I think it's just as important as what we eat. Although what we eat, like going back to that, the four tiers of Ayurvedic healing, like self-awareness is everything. Cause how would you know what you should be eating? If you don't even know who you are, or how you feel yeah. constitutionally, elementally, whatever. Um, and so, and we eat all day. So eating is such a foundation for home, being in homeostasis, but beyond what we eat, you know, then it's like, what would be next? According to Ayurvedic medicine, it's like self-care and Ayurvedic herbs Right. And then it's and then it's like seeing a practitioner, like if you can't just switch your health with food and herbs and a little bit of self-care, meet with somebody who understands this holistic healthcare system, who understands how the body works, who can see you objectively, meaning see your constitution objectively and help you create a path to wellness. And you can really get there. I mean, you know, I don't want to. Some I know I, I some clients that I work with have really chronic serious illnesses, um, but they can still improve their quality of health even if changing the 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 um, the course of the disease state might take ten years. I mean, so and just to be clear, like I came to Ayurveda. Um, I guess two months after breaking out in psoriasis all over my body Mm. overnight, I'd always had a little bit of psoriasis and it was awful. So I've really had had psoriasis since I was like 11 and the patches that I did have, they were awful. They were so itchy and they looked terrible and, but they were small. And so it was manageable. And then one day I just woke up and I was, I mean, I had it on my face, on my abdomen, my armpits, my breasts, my inner thighs. I was just like, WTF, like this, this was, that was my threshold. I wasn't 30 yet. Right. I wasn't even 30 yet. So my threshold came earlier of like, I'm not willing to live with this. Yeah. Somebody else might be, you know, for them, they're not paying attention until they have cancer. Right. Diabetes. Yeah. No. Um, or they have a heart attack. I mean, and I know people who don't pay attention even after they have those things. Yeah. They just are like, well, that's life. That's right? that's just it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that, but just like, yeah, like, that's why Ayurveda wouldn't be for somebody like that because they're just, they don't care. There's not their point of interest. That's not their point of wanting to focus on or spend time and money and resources you know, paying attention to their health in a proactive, proactive, you know, I holistic way. And it's like, you get to be, I've always found Ayurveda 
and holistic health in general to be so empowering because it really does put so much more of the power of health in your your hands versus a doctor's hands. Who's just going to prescribe you a pill generally. I mean, there's, and there are some really great doctors, but you know, with my surgeon for my, the fibroid surgery was like epic. She was just so awesome. And I talked to two other surgeons before her who in comparison were horrible, you know, like, I mean, of just like in terms of how they, how, I mean, (laughs) how they spoke about my options, Mm -hmm. um, how much they actually looked at me and who I am and how, like the way that I live my life, you know, and this, and, but she wasn't holistic at all you know? And so I had to still, even with her, she's so amazing. She's perfect. Dr. Vicki Ng at Kaiser in San Francisco. Um, But I had to be my own advocate for the, all of the holistic pieces, including like, how do I heal the scar tissue? And um, you know, that's, that's all on my own. Yeah. Awesome. That's not part of their protocol. So exactly. So on that note, I just want to thank you so much for being here. I know you have to leave a hard 11 minutes. Yeah. A few minutes. Okay. Just making sure I don't want to, you know, go over your time. Well, I, I like, I like you talking about, you have to be an advocate for you. And it goes back to the awareness of yourself because there, I mean, I've been to, I've been to doctors who are just very robotic and like, no, you need surgery for this or that. And, and, and just knowing yourself and checking in with yourself to say, you know what, maybe I need to talk to somebody else, right? Like just trusting that your body knows what it needs and, um, you know, just, yeah, being an advocate for yourself. I, I just, I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's so important. It is. And trusting yourself. And the more that you practice self-care and learning how to be in touch with what your body needs, the more self-trust that you develop. Yes. That it's like a muscle that you're strengthening. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Self-trust is so important. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. It's intuition. It's yeah. Yeah. That's Kate's Kate loves intuition. Yeah. That's her thing. It's, it's, it's core level self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that so many people are scared to speak up for themselves? Like because a doctor knows more, they think, or they, they're intimidated intimidated. Yeah. And they might feel really helpless and scared. And, um, you know, we all come from so many different family dynamics too, that maybe they were, you know, they have a karma thing about their voice, not mattering. I mean, I, you know, when I use my voice, I often have to then process feeling um, shame about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the older I get, the more I'm like this, ridiculous, but I still have to often work through, like, it's okay for me to say what I need. I am a lot, like, it's like yes. constant affirmation. Yes. You yes. know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really, um, oh my gosh. I watched a documentary the other day on the making of the new West Side Story. Epic. It looks so good. I haven't seen it yet, but it's I can't. It's really good. It's amazing. Oh yeah. And there's a, a scene where I think her name is Ariana DeBose, who plays Anita. 
in the movie. Um, talking with the original Anita, I'm spacing on Rita Moreno, is it? I think. I'm pretty sure. Okay. And they and that's actually something that they're talking about is like having a voice. Like I heard that. I heard that on um on our public radio here. They did yeah. an, that interview. Yeah. And being like, you know, like as women also, um, and and that goes into like the non-binary world and all these people who are constantly being discriminated against because we can't put them into a box of men or men or women, but, but, um, you know, to be like, my voice matters as much as anybody else's. And so let's treat each other with respect. And, and that's how, you know, that's also how I knew I really liked my surgeon was she was respectful of the things that I had to say, Yeah, you know? So if you're, you got to just listen. You've got to listen to what's happening around you and how Those it makes all, you feel. I, I also attribute that to boundaries too, right? I, I, I feel like whenever you start feeling like shame or guilt around somebody, there's a boundary that's been crossed and it's probably a little bit of, of, um, of respect that you're not getting that, that you deserve. Um, or that I'm showing to this, is just me personally, but yeah. I, I'm, I, I really work on taking responsibility for my part in things without taking too much responsibility, right. which is codependency. Um, but sometimes I'm like, okay, well, I allowed myself to be vulnerable with somebody that hadn't proven themselves to be safe yet. Exactly. <laughs> so but- my bad, oops, <laughs> going to back up here and be like, I didn't mean it, you know, <laughs> like it's right. okay. Um, or that I didn't. I didn't make sure that they were safe, you know, and that's, yeah, that's something that we learn. And so that what we're really speaking to is self-protection, self-preservation, right. which for me goes back to Ayurveda, like yeah. that's what Ayurveda teaches. And when you really get into it, I mean, I, you know, and, and not everybody teaches Ayurveda the same way. Like, this is how I understand it. This is how I teach it. So, um, and it's how I live it. It's how I experience yeah. it. So anyway, well, so I have a, um, a dosha quiz for our listeners. Anybody I saw that. that out. I so it's, yeah, it's a free, it's free. Um, and I put actually, I, I put a couple, I mean, I know it's hard to tell when you actually do it. Cause it's like an online thing. But I put several years of of deep thought and effort into that quiz. I wanted it to be as comprehensive and thorough and thoughtful as it could possibly be without working with a practitioner. And working with a practitioner when you're really serious about changing your health is the thing you should do. I will say that. But when you're just like, I want to check this out. I want to see if this is for me. I want to figure out, you know, how this feels. I really recommend using that quiz. And, um, and give, and, you know, getting the results from that quiz, because you'll get clarity, you know, you'll get quite a bit of clarity about the elements, the doshas, your constitution. Um, But when you get the results, you also get some really simple things that you can start adding into your life, your diet, your lifestyle, and see how they work for you. Like to Uzma's point earlier, try it on. Yeah. 
Talia, Uzman, I, I guarantee you the minute that we hang up with you are going to be taking that quiz and sharing notes. Like, what did you get? What do you? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. No. This you know, what would out. be powerful too is for you to, to be on the phone or stay on Zoom and take it together because so again, most quizzes online are like, it's a quiz, take it in 30 seconds. This is not a 30 second quiz. This is like, make yourself a cup of tea, wrap a blanket around your hips and sit down for 10 or 15 minutes and go slowly through these questions and really give them your thoughtfulness. Okay. That's how you're going to get the most accurate um, assessment. Cool. And it's clear. My instructions are really clear. Awesome. You're so amazing. much fun talking to you. Yeah. It's so much fun. Um, I learned so much every single time. I, I had no idea any of this. I'm so grateful you still like me, Uzma, after being <laughs> after what, <laughs> what, what do I not know? Me. I just feel so neurotic. I feel like the most neurotic entrepreneur in the room. Like every- Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Talia. You know, I always try to keep in touch. Somehow or another with you. I oh my God. Every once in a while. She's so good at what she does. So she is. Anyway. I love your energy. I feel like we have to do a podcast with like a couple um, of our guests sometimes just, you know, put like two or three people together for a podcast. Oh, yeah. Maybe like a, yeah. Exactly. Actually, you know what, Laura and her on the same podcast, I think it'd be amazing. Would be so fun. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. We've if got, we I'm can match vibes. Down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Cool. Well, I'll send you that um, Shankara link and you have the link Please to do. the Dosha quiz. So yes, and yeah. I'll put the Shankara link um, in the show notes too. So anybody okay. listening or watching can also try it out. Okay, cool. Amazing. Awesome. Thanks so, so much. So good talking to you. Have fun at yoga. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Talia. Bye.